quick update. Uh, Nicole and I, uh, so if you're new-ish to our church, uh, I decided to take a Cleveland vacation uh, this month, and uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a weight loss uh, vacation where, no, I'm being very ornery. So I'm donating part of my liver uh, to Nicole Woolard, and uh, she's a member of our church. She was our former kids director, and uh, she's very sick, been sick most of her life. And uh, this liver transplant, we're hoping, is the first of many dominoes to fall medically for her. And uh, she needs a miracle beyond just this first step. And so, uh, obviously, to lift her up in prayer, lift me up. We go up this, thir- uh, this Wednesday for uh, some final testing. And then the following Wednesday, the, the 19th, is, is the day. And so, I uh, just wanted to share that, uh, give you an idea of uh, what's going to happen here. Um, it should be the same. And so, because we serve a big God, um, I'm preaching next week, and I'm going to preach the paint off the walls. And so, uh, because I'm going to go into like a preaching coma for like a month, and uh, and then look out for the first one back too. By the way, because I I tend to like just go crazy. Um, but uh, the four weeks that I'm gone, we've got these guest speakers. So my one of my best friends, Benjamin Allen. Ben Allen, he you've heard him preach here before, and lead him and his wife have led worship. They're getting ready to plant a vineyard church. And uh, so uh, he needs all the experience he can get. And so you better be here. And then the week following that is Pastor Lloyd Craycroft, who is the founder and pastor of Victory Ministries, which is in Whitehall. And uh, they're dealing with another end of just uh, just meeting people's needs spiritually and physically. Do not miss Pastor Lloyd or I will be upset with you. And then following that week is Pastor Dave Diani, who is a a vineyard church planter and recently retired from senior leading. He's right down the road here at Vineyard Community Church, the Walmart Vineyard. And, uh, and so he is one of my mentors, an amazing man of God. He's preaching. And then on March 15th, Pastor Laura Adam, our own homegrown, is bringing the word. And if there's enough money in the budget, I'll have a translator that day. So Oh, zing, zing, zing. Anyways, uh, to give you an update financially, I think Nicole's past five grand towards what she's raising. She needs, like, it's, it's endless. And then uh, Danielle, we've had uh, one family cover our hotel costs this next uh, Tuesday night, which is super cool. And we've had $550 come in towards our expenses. And so uh, that's outside of the church giving. If you feel led, we appreciate it. And um, just wanted to give you guys an update. I am holding you guys accountable. All right, hold your hand up in the air and repeat after me. I promise I will be here. (laughs) Hear this, Lord? The four Sundays you're gone. (laughs) God strike me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Okay, so Friday morning was when winter decided to show up. Okay, yeah. Heaven help you people. Get saved again. Uh, I drive, uh, the mini needs some work, so uh, I I drive my truck most days. Well, that wasn't a truck-friendly day. I don't have, you know, the super four-wheel drive and whatever, so I'm deciding, okay, I'm going to take something that will get me a little bit, you know, to work without going off the road. And so uh, we have my daughters. We're getting ready to sell it. We have this ancient uh, Honda Civic, and uh, so I go out. It needs a muffler. It's awesome. I get in the car. And of course, when Hope finished driving it, she left it on empty, which any smart teenager would do, right? And so it's your gas money on the line. So I'm like, ah. Oh. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm heading down 256, and, um, and I'm, I'm early, and, and I'm like, I, all right, 
got to stop for gas. We, I can't, we got to get, I want to get ahead of traffic, but I'm going to stop. So I'm there at the BP. And I, I, I've owned a Honda before, and, and man, you reach up, you know, you pull the, the, fuel, the fuel filler thing uh, on the side of the seat, right, to pop the cap. So I reach down, I pull the thing, I get out, and the cap's not open. The, you know, the lid. Grr. I mean, I don't have enough, like, I, to go home and swap cars and whatever else. I'm like, I got to make this thing happen. And it's like, well, maybe it's just, you know, the ice, it's freezing, whatever else. So I'm like, I'm trying to, like, reach and reach. And, and, and then I do, like, this little seatbelt trick where I, I run the seatbelt underneath the lever. Has anybody done any shenanigans like this? And, like, I'm pulling, so it's pulling on the lever, and then I'm trying to force the thing, and I'm getting hot. Like, I'm getting, I mean, it's DEFCON 3. We're creeping on 4. And then a couple guys are loading up in their truck. I'm like, could you pull on this while I pull this? And they're like, dude, you're whacked out. And, and so he came over and tried, like, you know, the, the obligatory, like, you know, minute. And I'm like, it's okay, buddy. I'll, I'll figure this thing out. I'm, I'm, I'm cranked. And, uh, and so finally, like, I've got the ice scraper jammed in the fuel fueler door. I've got my fingers in there, and I'm going Hulk. Hulk smash. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the... I'm in the zone. Don't mess with me. And so finally, I mean, in this little thing, I could tell the door doesn't have like one ounce of metal in it, but still it's just hanging on for dear life. So finally I bend this thing and I pop it off. We're in a series called Not This Year, Satan. And uh, I hope you're enjoying it. And um, with, with the way the time fell with the, with the surgery, I'm just like, sure, we're going to go seven weeks on this thing. We're going extra innings. And, and basically, I just believe that God wants us to put lines in the sand. He wants us to face 2020. And he wants us to say, not this year, Satan. I'm not going to give up on this. I'm going to gain ground in this area. I need a victory in this area. And we've talked about all kinds of things. So I want to talk today, now this is usually when churches get real quiet, I want to talk about giving and our finances. And, and that is a hard thing to talk about. It's kind of like talking about somebody else's kid. Like if it isn't like all happy, you're, you're going to lose a friend pretty fast. Like uh, because we're sensitive about a certain, certain things in our life. But a, a question for you today is, how's it going for you? Because I think finances are a lot like me wrestling with that fuel door. Like, I, I am just upset about it. I can't do what I want it to do. And I am just getting all worked up over this thing. And I don't know what to do. To finish the story, by the way, after I damage said fuel filler door, As I'm getting into the car, I look down at the lever. There's actually letters on it. And it says, you're, you're a quick crowd, quick crowd. It says pull, and it has the trunk symbol. And the gas symbol's right above it, and it says push. I'm as good as you folks get. That's a sad thing. Like, I just revealed how dumb I am, and if that offends you, then you probably should church shop, like, immediately. Like, there are much smarter pastors out there. And so I've already damaged the Like, this is a car I need to sell soon. And I've just, you know, I already got to buy a muffler for it. Now I've got a bit. Thank you, Jesus. 
How's it going for you? Because so often we are cranking on something. We are pushing, we are trying to push this boulder uphill with all of our strength, or we're yanking on this thing, and, and God the whole time has a better way of doing something. And He does. But so often we're, we're caught up in the fight that we don't take the time to, oh, push. Like, ta-da! Like, I just immediately, because of the snow, just assumed that it was seized. Like, I just, I just went, I just made a few quick assumptions, and then off to the races. And I mean, pure rage mode. And, and it was so easy. Who needs a victory in their finances in 2020? Now, here's the thing. We have a simple solution in mind when it comes to our finances. What is our simple solution that we wish God would do? Through lottery absolutely now you have to you have to play it to win it but basically you can reduce all of those things to just give me more money fixes my problem and i have done this at times and and i don't think there's anything wrong i think there's actually honor to a uh to a person who who has a need and they go work hard for it you have a little bit greater need you go work harder i think god honors that you shouldn't be afraid to to work towards the things that you need but so many times, our problems, because they're not just, they're not just on the surface, there's something going on below it, that we basically, as Dave Ramsey says, we just try to out-earn our stupidity. Guilty, right? And so God, the whole time, He has something better for us that if we'll fix some things down below the surface, then these things correct themselves up on top. And so we have a simple solution. God just give us... More money fixes my problem. God is infinitely more creative than that. A few uh, illustrations would go back to a time that, that Kenny mentioned, and that was Moses leading the Israelites. Get this. They were moving through the desert. They needed food. God made food called manna appear on the ground every morning. And every morning there was enough for every family to have what they needed to eat for just that day and just that day only if they tried to well i don't really don't want to get up that early tomorrow morning i'm going to scoop up a little bit extra today it said that it would turn to maggots basically after bedtime like this like this stuff had a let's say had a quick shelf life but here's how cool god is that same manna that would ferment the like the evening would somehow last two days on the day of the Sabbath. They could gather enough for two days on Fridays. You think there's a message there? There is. We're not going to stop there and preach. But then it says that they got whiny. Could you imagine a group of people getting whiny? Enjoy your car trip home because you're going to hear somebody whine about something. And it might be you. Well, they whined about that, and then God said, okay, you want meat? Here comes meat. Dum, 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 dum. It says quail just started dropping out of the sky. They, they ate meat till they puked on quail. Like, they were sick of it. Like, God said, you want, a, you want variety? Here's variety. Now you have ground bread and quail falling out of the sky. Sometimes he does just make stuff show up. But this is how creative it is. You he is. You, you get this in another uh, way that you read the Bible, or another uh, verse. It says that their sandals and their clothes 
didn't wear out while they were moving through the desert. That's pretty cool. So God can meet our needs any way that he wants to. Sometimes he'll have some stuff show up. Sometimes he'll just have what you already have just last supernaturally. I've seen that happen. And, and then, so let's go to another story on the New Testament with Jesus. I want to set the scene. This is in John chapter 6. And this is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I've had the privilege of going to Israel. I was in my senior year of high school. And the Sea of Galilee is one of the coolest places I've ever been to in my life. And in March, the average temperature is basically in the 60s. And, and so this would have been, it says it's right before the Passover. So it would have been probably in the, the March, April time frame, just like our Easter time frame. And, and it says that Jesus was growing in popularity. People were chasing him like, where's Jesus? And they're going there. And so he's moving through this serene. And like the hills just start coming away from, from the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is not massive. It's about the size. I looked this up. I googled it. It's about the size of Washington D.C. About 64 square miles is this lake, so it's not small, but it's not you know it's not like what we're used to. Maybe with the Great Lakes, definitely bigger than Buckeye Lake. But and so it's not a lake. Uh, so he's moving around, and it says that the people are following him. He goes up into the hills, and he's looking out, and he's seeing the people come. He's seeing the crowd gather. He takes this place, and, and he knows that they are coming to hear more teaching. They are hungry for what he has to say. They are hungry to see the miracles that he's doing. And so here come the people. We're going to zoom in on two people as this crowd gathers. One is one of the disciples named Philip. It says that Jesus leans over to Philip. The Bible says in John that Jesus already knows what he's going to do, but it says that he's testing Philip. God likes to see what's going on in our hearts and if we've been paying attention. He says, how are we going to feed all these people? Friends, Jesus doesn't ask a question that he doesn't know the answer to. He's Jesus. But it says that Philip responded, even if we all worked for months. Back to that gas cap, just yanking on. Even if we were just to grind this thing out, even if we were just to forget all of our other travel plans, to forget all of our other engagements, even if just the 12 of us were just going to work our tails off for months, we couldn't have the money to feed this crowd. He immediately goes to the physical reality of, I've got this big need, I don't know how to do it, but my first thought is, is just to run as hard as I can for as long as I can at it. Right? And then you got person number two, we don't even get a name. It says a young boy. Now I'm going to guess that we're not talking like four or five years old because it seems like this this young person was away from his parents for whatever reason, and that he wanted to just be around the action. He wanted to go see Jesus. We don't know any more details. But then to be referred to as boy has got to mean like he's under 13. more. So we're talking about a young person. We're talking maybe 10 to 12, 10 to 13, somewhere in there would be my guess. And so we have this 
young boy, and it says that he has what? It says that he has five barley loaves and two fish. And if you're familiar with the story, or you've just heard about it, Jesus feeds the 5,000. It says that he takes only, only the five loaves of bread and the two fish, and it says that he begins breaking it, and it says that this crowd ate till they were full, and then they gather up the leftovers, and they count like 12 baskets of leftovers. Wow. Our physical reality is the natural. And this is, I've, believe me, I've got season tickets to this position of the land of not enough. I've got the t-shirt. I don't have enough for what's facing me. I can look out even at the next couple months, even going through this surgery, I don't have enough to go through the next couple months. I don't have it. And, and so I can freak out. I can chase my tail. You know, I can do those kind of things. But then the other part of this is, well, if I don't have enough, then I definitely don't have enough to give anything away. Right? This is common sense. This is, this is preschool math here. Because basic math that we learn is the law of, of, of subtraction. If, if Billy has five apples and he gives Sally two apples, how many apples does Billy have left? Come on, let's see who graduated from which school. The Groveport kids are like, one, two, that's me. Uh, Pickerington kids are like, well, you know. No. This is simple math. I'm going to have less food if I give some of my food away. Or in the case of this young boy, Jesus just asked for his whole sack lunch. Huh. Well, I know I probably had a good chance of being full for the day because mom took care of me. If I give any or all of this away, I'm definitely going to have less, and I'm, I might not get any. That's, these are the natural laws that we have. The big thought for today is that God wants us to participate in the miracle. So this is the question for us. And our worship team, if you could just hold off to 1140 to come up, that would be great. Who owns the bread and the fish? He does, but he trusts them. He entrusts them to us. And then it's up to us if we ever decide to basically place them back in his hands or not. That's the free will that he's given us. He's the creator. We all belong to him, the earth and everything in it, the, the heavens, the stars. They're his, but yet he says, this is yours. And then it's up to us whether we basically decide to steward it or we decide to keep our fist closed around it. It says in verse 11 in John chapter 6 that Jesus took the bread. Now, I am quite certain that Jesus didn't give me that. That doesn't fit up with the God I know. It was, we have a need, and will you give, will you give your bread and fish to Jesus? I think we forget that when we give, we're actually giving to Jesus. And I think it's easier to give what's in our hand if we remember that we're giving it to Jesus. The Bible says if we give a cup of cold water in his name, if we give food in his name, if we drink coffee in his name, we're doing it for God. 
And, and that's who, you know, it says if we visit somebody in prison that we've, we've done it unto the Lord. Who owns it? Because God's reality is the supernatural. Because get this, three things happen when we open up our hand and trust God. One, the crowd was full. When we give away, other people receive. That, that does make sense. Obviously, if I give something I have away to somebody else, they are going to have more than they had before. We, we need to understand that this Scripture says that they were full. And so just by this young person being willing to give what he had, others were able to benefit from it. The crowd was full. When we pour our lives out for the sake of others, other lives are impacted. And, and I went to a funeral, uh, to a visiting uh, hours uh, this, this week to a, a great man of God. We prayed for their family last week, Jim Palmer. This is a man who poured his 65 years out for the sake of the gospel and made a dent uh, for the kingdom of God and made a dent against the kingdom of darkness. And you could just see the ripples because of a, a life that had been given away. And if you knew Pastor Jim, he wasn't the lesser for it. He was the better for it, right? Uh, Kenny mentioned that. You don't come back from a mission trip the same person. I've never been on a mission trip and came back feeling empty or I've always come back feeling fuller like I received more than I gave away every time okay number one the crowd was full number two the boy was full because it says everyone there had enough now I don't know that the boy still had five loaves and two fish but the important thing for us to know is it says the boy had enough even after he gave what he had away that is kingdom math. That is kingdom uh, finances. And that says that when we trust God with what we have, we will have enough. And whatever we have, guess what is then enough? The Apostle Paul says, I've learned to abound. I've learned to abase. I've learned to have it all, and I've learned to have nothing. And throughout both of those ends of the spectrum, I know that God has had me in his hands. Number one, the crowd was full. Number two, the boy was full. Number three, there were leftovers. You have to get this. There is always room for more people in the kingdom of God. There is always more people that can be reached by the overflow of the ministry of this church, the ministry of you and your family. There is always room for one more at God's table. It says that they counted it, that they put it in the basket so that none would be wasted. God does not want any of the resources that he has trusted us with. Time, talent, treasure, doesn't matter what it is. He doesn't want it wasted. It's going to go to somewhere, and there's, those leftovers are going to bless somewhere else, someone else. And it's so important that we realize how blessed we are, and that when we give stuff away, the people around us are going to be better off, and then the waves just keep going. Number one, the crowd was full. Number two, the boy was full. Number three, there were leftovers. So here's another question. Did God need the five loaves and two fish to do the miracle? No, he didn't. The fact that he made 99.9% .9 of what was created out, you know, he did make that from nothing because he can. No, he didn't need that. God wants us to participate in the miracle. I believe that God wants you to experience a financial victory in 2020. 
He has a better way, and it doesn't start with asking for more. That is the simplest solution. Is, is, and, 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 and God usually... Now, I've, I've had the need, and I've seen a check come in for that exact amount. We needed a church, and somebody gave us a check for $200,000. I've never seen a check like that. I'd like to see more. But God, I mean, we had the need, and, and the money just showed up. I, he, he can do that. But then I've also seen him just multiply what we have. The things that we've done with the money that's come in is supernatural. In my home finances and in his church finances, God keeps multiplying what has come in. He has a better way, and it doesn't start just with asking for more. It starts by trusting him with what you have. Who owns the bread? And friends, when we hold what we have in our hand, if I hold what I have in my hand as a pastor of this church, if I hold the volunteers in my hand and say, God, they're mine. If I hold the people in this church in my hand and say, they're mine. Oh my gosh. How short-sighted that would be. To not see the kingdom beyond just this body. If I look at my finances and say, God, I, and I do, I say, God, I'm not sure how this is going to, I'm not sure quite how this is going to go. And so I better, I better pull back. I better not give, maybe I shouldn't give my tithe this month, God, because I'm not sure whether, I'm not sure how these extra needs are going to be met this next month. That thought still comes into my mind. I'm not a, perfect person. But I can tell you that we have still tithe. Why? Because in my 44 years, I can look at the times where I hung on and said the bread was mine. And those are not pretty times. So those are the days of me yanking on the gas cap and just fighting with all my strength and wondering why I'm not getting ahead. But when I look back at the times where I say, God, this is, this is your bread. And I'm going to trust you that my needs will be met. Those are the days that I have peace over my finances. Those are the days that I have peace over the finances of this, of this church. Friends, we're going to give away 10% of what comes into this place this year. We're going to give it away. Why? Because I believe the church should do what God is calling each of us to do. What he's calling me to do. Who owns the bread? And finally, I'll leave you with this. Jesus showed us how because he's famously known for breaking bread another time. In a small room with just the disciples. It says that he took the bread. It says that he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When we allow God to have everything that we are, it's not about a percentage. It's not about a dollar amount. It's about putting God first, about saying who owns the bread. 
And when God owns it, the crowd will be full. I will be full. And there will be leftovers. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for challenging us. God, these these parts of our lives that we, we tend to cling to the hardest, the ones that we have the most fear in. God, I thank you that you came so that we would have the opposite of fear, God, that we would have joy, life, and peace. God, you came to set us free. God, I thank you for the victories that you want us to have in our finances this year. Father God, we tell you today, it's your bread. It's your bread.